Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Awesome. Have a seat. Wonderful. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Let's give them a big round of applause. How awesome. And uh, so great to see you this morning. So good to see you here at King's Church. How exciting is that about the land at St. George? Absolutely amazing, and so praise God, you know, since 1989, our church there has bought the buildings, but the government owned the land. But praise God, uh, we're going to own the land now for the kingdom of God, which is awesome. So uh, they offered the land to our church about six years ago, uh, before it became a king's church, uh, and uh, the church decided at the time not to purchase the land. Uh, and so uh, the government have said that we can purchase the land, praise God. Now, they have upped it a little bit. Uh, so back in 2015, I think the land, it's about an acre and a half, something like that. Is it two acres, Rob, is it? About two acres, yeah, uh, $40,000. Uh, but they've really upped at fifty percent. Now it's costing us sixty thousand. Uh, but I said I think we can handle it. So praise God. So uh, if you're interested in participating in that, you got the uh, you got the envelope on your seat and that sort of thing. And and also too, just want to let you know about Kings Together that's happening. Basically, what we're doing is that all our services, all our campuses, we're going to have one service here at Reedy Creek on Pentecost Sunday. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were all, all the believers were all together in one place of one accord on Pentecost Sunday. And so I felt God say for us to do that. So we're having no services anywhere else um, except here at 10 a.m. Now, the beauty of it is um, because um, obviously with the size of this room, uh, we're going to be pretty tight. But um, because we're going to ticket the event, we're allowed to jam pack it. Okay, and so it's going to be ticketed, so it's going to cost you $1,000 a ticket. Uh, No, it's not. Uh, You're just going to pre-book it to be allocated seating and that sort of thing. So uh, St. George is not having a service. They're bringing some car loads here for the morning. Uh, Logan Village is not having a service that day. They're coming over. The night service is not going to be on. They're going to be coming in the morning. The 8.30 service, they're going to come a little bit later at 10 o'clock. And uh, and for you guys, you don't have to do anything. Uh, You can just rock up. And Pippa's closing as well. So I encourage you to come along. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. And I think God's going to do something awesome. Amen. Uh, today I want to share with you from Psalm 124. Psalm 124. And it uh, says this. A song of ascents of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. I love that. Sounds like a parent. If it had not been, the Lord had been on our side. No, hold on, church. If it had not been, that's what he says there. (laughs) He actually says it twice. He's saying it to remind them. Have you ever needed to be reminded that the Lord's on your side? Have you ever had a time and a season where you think, I don't know where the Lord is right now? Well, here in Psalm 124, he's saying to all of God's people, if it had not been for the Lord who's on our side, say it again. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Father, I just ask and pray today that you help us to see you as you are, our deliverer. I thank you and praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Currently, we're doing a series 
uh, called Song of Ascents. And so the Song of Ascents in the, uh, from the book of Psalms, and Psalm 120 to 134 are all called Song of Ascents. And basically they were somewhat like hymns that the Israelites would sing on their way to Jerusalem for the three feasts a year. So three times a year, the Israelites, the Jews, would gather together in Jerusalem and they would all come together and worship God together. And it was called Song of Ascents because as they pilgrimaged to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. They're somewhat like seasonal songs. You know how at Christmas time we sing Christmas carols and that sort of thing. When they were singing on these songs on the way up to Jerusalem, it's almost like a reminder. So what that means is this. It doesn't matter what you've been through the last few months. At least once every few months, you're going to sing about the goodness of God. It may seem like you've been going through a tough time, but you're going to remind yourself of God's goodness as you sing these songs on the way up to Jerusalem. They're called Song of Ascents because to go to Jerusalem, they actually had to go upwards. I think Jerusalem's about 800 square, 800 square, 800 metres above sea level. Uh, Toowoomba, for instance, is like 700 metres above sea level. So I'm not sure if you have to walk up a steep incline like you do to Toowoomba or anything like that. But basically they had to walk uphill and as they were doing that, all together, God's people, they were singing on the way up. We're doing, a ser- we're doing this series on all of these psalms and it's fitting for our church, I believe, because the theme for our church this year is on the rise. So we believe that all of us together as a church right across all of our locations every single one of us are all going to be on the rise together. Just like the Israelites, all together they would rise and go to Jerusalem together with God's people. In the same way, I believe that every single one of our services, campuses and churches are all going to be on the rise together. And so we've been doing this series, started the other week, and and it's not going to be in numerical order. We will cover every single psalm, uh, but it's not going to be in numerical order. Uh, And uh, today I want to talk to you out of Psalm 124. Psalm 124 talks about God being our deliverer. So watch this. It's written by David, and David says, if the Lord had not been on our side, all these other things would have happened. If it hadn't been for God, all these negative consequences and outcomes would have come to pass in my life. David understood a lot of this stuff. He had a lot of difficult times. He had people who wanted to kill him. He'd had through a lot of tough times and uh, tribulations. And it was in those times he really learnt and identified that God was his deliverer. And here in this psalm, there are three things that he indicates that God will deliver us from. And so today I want to talk to you out of Psalm 124, three things that God will deliver us from. The first thing is this, he'll deliver us from enemies. Psalm 124 verses 2 to 3. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. So notice this, he's saying when men rose up against us, God will deliver us from enemies. Notice this, he is saying that God's on his side and yet there's still people that want to rise up against them. Have you ever noticed that being in the will of God and God being on your side does not stop people rising up against you? I would have thought that if I was in God's perfect will, I'd actually, everyone would just love me automatically and I'd have no enemies. But that's not what he's saying there. God can still be on your side and men can rise up against you. David understood this completely. He was anointed by God to be the king after Saul. So King Saul was the first king of Israel. He was anointed by God to be that king. And even whilst he was king, the prophet Samuel anointed David 
to be the next king. He wasn't going to step into it straight away. He was going to step into it once, uh, once Saul had died and departed. And you would have thought that Saul would raise him up to do the job after him. However, Saul was completely threatened by David. And actually, Saul would be one of the people that David was talking about here that actually wanted to rise up and kill him. And it's almost unfair because David was actually really, really good to Saul. I mean, for instance, David killed, um, got rid of a great big obstacle named Goliath that was under Saul's watch, that actually was stopping God's people from advancing. David killed Goliath. Not only that, David used to minister to Saul. David used to play the harp, and, uh, and, and the Bible says that Saul would have a distressing spirit, and that when David played the harp, the distressing spirit departed, spirit departed, so there was peace upon Saul when David ministered. David was good to Saul, yet Saul was so insecure and so threatened by him that he actually wanted to kill him. Now think about it. If you have the king and the government and all its resources out to get you, you would think you would not be able to survive. You would think if the king wanted to kill you, then you're not going to last long. But David's testimony is that God always saved him from the hand of Saul. So even though the most powerful man in the country wanted David killed, he wasn't able to do it. Why? Because it doesn't matter what enemies rise up against you. If God is for you, then who can be against you? And God will deliver and take care of you. That's why as Christian people, we need to be full of faith and not worried about external circumstances. You know, the Bible tells us that as Christians, there will be persecution. Jesus promised that we'll have greater blessing, but we also will have persecution. In Genesis chapter 11, when God is pronouncing the blessing of God upon Abraham, he says to Abraham, there's all these blessings, I will bless you, make of you a great nation, and your name will, will be great. And then he says, and he goes, I will bless those who bless you. And then he says, I will curse those who curse you. So even being blessed, even being in the center of God's will, does not mean you won't have haters. But here's the thing, even if you do, God can deliver you from them. Even if you do, God can protect you. I'm here to let you know we should not be afraid of man. The Bible tells us in Psalms, fear of man proves to be a snare. It can stop you from fulfilling the destiny that God has for your life. And in the same way, God's word promises here, David says, God will deliver us from enemies. The second thing that God will deliver us from is catastrophes. Catastrophes. Psalm 124, 4 to 5. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Um, when he talks about waters, obviously if you've been through a flood, uh, it means a lot. Um, we'd been through a flood many years ago. And, uh, and my family have actually experienced a number of natural disasters. My, my family grew up in Victoria, and a lot of them had been through bushfires and that sort of thing. And so family had been through bushfires, we'd been through a flood and that sort of thing. The primary difference between a flood and a bushfire is that you can fight a fire. You can't actually fight a flood. It comes, gets to a point if a flood's a certain, certain size, there's no standing there and pushing it back. You've actually got to get out of the way. But you can fight a fire. 
back on Black Saturday a number of years ago uh, at my auntie and uncle's place in country Victoria, uh, they were surrounded by bushfires, could not escape. Uh, and they wanted to protect their property. And so them and a few other friends, they were all in the volunteer fire service. And so they understood how fire operates. And they did something which was uh, probably not entirely legal at the time, but uh, it saved their property. Um, what they did was they did, all had matches on them. And they went out from the property towards the fire front. And they were waiting for the fire to get closer. When the fire got to a certain point, what they did was, not good in a total fire ban, but what they did was they actually lit... This, uh, lit the grass in front of them and it actually backburned the fire and it stopped it from getting to the property. So if you go to their property, you would notice that just before the time, there's a bunch of them you know, around the property, a big bushfire. Uh, they backburned it just enough at the right time and it stopped it from coming. So it was going to come, but they stopped it because you can fight fire. But you can't fight flood. When flood's coming, it's all over. But here, David said, if it, wasn't been for, if it hadn't been for the Lord, the waters would have overwhelmed us. The streams would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. What does that mean? It means God can deliver you from things that look catastrophic and unavoidable. Things that you thought there's no way of avoiding this, God can deliver you from that. Classic example of this is the well-known story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and uh, they were Jewish boys, and in the country where they were living, it had been decreed that whenever the trumpet sounded, everyone had to stop and bow down to a graven image, an idol of the king. And so if they weren't to do that, if people weren't to do that, they were going to get thrown into a fiery furnace and be destroyed. And so here they were, they're ready to, they're out there, they realize they're not allowed to buy, bow down to an idol. They realize that's disobeying God. Uh, the temptation was, but the problem was this on one hand, bow down, disobey God and live, or don't bow down and burn. It was unavoidable. And if you're not bowing down and everyone else is, it's obvious that you're not bowing down. And so they had an ethical dilemma. But what happened was that when the trumpet sounded, they said, we cannot, no matter what, we cannot bow down to that image. And so they didn't bow down, and then they were taken into custody, and the king was going to throw them into the fiery furnace. And he so enraged them, so they so enraged him by their disobedience, that they decided, that, they, that he decided to heat up the furnace four times as much, four times as hot. So the men who actually threw them into the fiery furnace, they got killed when they threw them in. So this was unavoidable. This was catastrophic. There's no way out of this. There's no way to get through this. Yet the Bible tells us that when they got thrown into the fiery furnace, they didn't get burnt. Not only that, they didn't even smell a smoke. Three men thrown into the fiery furnace. And the Bible says that the king who had thrown them in could see that there was a fourth man in that fiery furnace. And theologians say that was Christ. That was, that was Christ that was actually in that fiery furnace. And so what that means is this. God will be with you in the midst of your tough time. And then they came out of it completely delivered. You know that thing that you're worried about that's completely catastrophic, that looks like it's going to take you out? We serve a God who can completely deliver us from that. We as people need to be people full of faith and not fear. Faith and fear are quite similar in that they predict a certain outcome. 
But fear is predicting a negative outcome, and faith is predicting a positive outcome. In Matthew chapter 4, it tells us the story about Jesus and his disciples, and they're in the boat, and a big storm whips up. And obviously, the storm is so full on that um, it scares the disciples. Now, a number of the disciples were fishermen. They understood the water. They understood the elements. So for them to be afraid and to think that they're going to die, it was, a great, it was obviously a very significant storm. They come to Jesus. He's asleep in the boat. They wake him up, say, Lord, don't you care we're going to die? He wakes up. He rebukes the wind and the waves. So that storm was, that was inevitable. That storm was catastrophic. He actually stopped. And then he turned to his disciples and he doesn't say, oh, that's okay, guys. That's all right. You know, I understand you're a bit sad, but you know, gentle Jesus, I'm here to rescue you. He said, looked at him and he rebuked them. And he said, where's your faith? Don't you understand if I'm in the boat with you, that thing on the outside of you is not going to get you? And in the same way, God can deliver us from things that are looking catastrophic. God can deliver us from things that look like that they're inevitable. God can deliver us from, even if the waters are rising and it looks like you're not going to keep it back, I want to let you know we serve a God who can push those things back and he can take care of you. That's why as Christians we should not be intimidated by bad news. Our faith should be more in the Word of God rather than Sky News or Fox News or CNN or anything like that. Our faith should be in him. Why? Because even if tribulation and trial looks like it's coming, we serve a God who can deliver us from that. He can deliver us from catastrophes. And the third thing that God can deliver us from, he can deliver us from tragedy, tragedies. Psalm 124, 6 to 7 says, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. So this is not the only time the scripture talks about the snare of the fowler. Psalm 91 verse 3 says this, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. A tragedy is basically that something that stops you from fulfilling your potential. So if someone has something happen in their life and it's like, oh, that was a shame, that was a tragedy, this was going to happen, but because of this thing that happened, this is what ended up happening. Classic example is like Shakespearean tragedies, that basically there were plays written by Shakespeare which ended up, you know, as a tragedy. Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy, you know, this young couple, everything ahead of them and decided to end their lives and that sort of thing. Uh, their, their future was short-circuited. That's actually considered a tragedy. I'm an AFL fan uh, and uh, grew up in Melbourne and so know a lot of history of the AFL and you talk to a lot of old timers and they say the greatest AFL player was actually a guy by the name of John Coleman uh, and he was a full forward for the Essendon Football Club. There's virtually no video footage of him playing. There are a few photos and in the photos he's standing on someone's head taking a mark. He's unbelievable and people would and people talk to old timers and say he was the greatest player that ever lived and, and, and he was a full forward. He, he didn't even play 100 games. He didn't, a lot of players play twice, three times as many matches as what he did but his career was cut short because of he had a knee injury and in those days you couldn't recover from it and so when people talk about John Coleman they say he's one of the greatest players ever. It's just a tragedy that he wasn't able 
to fulfill his potential. Something happened that stopped him from soaring again. Something happened that got in the way. He was on this trajectory. All this was going to happen, and something came in and stopped him. The Bible says God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. A fowler is someone who catches birds. Birds are meant to fly. A snare stops them. So the bird cannot fulfill what it was destined to do. It's been trapped. It wasn't even the bird's fault. Something came in and stopped them from soaring. God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. God will deliver you from the things that happened to you that look like it short-circuited your destiny. God will deliver you from the things that happen to you that it looks like you're not going to be able to rise anymore. God can deliver you from the things that happen to you that look like it short-circuited your potential. Things that might have been considered a tragedy, opportunities missed. God can deliver you from those things that have happened. Now, interestingly enough, a snare is something that, you know, it catches you, but it doesn't move. It's not like you've got a bow and arrow or a shotgun. And you, no, no, no. The bird is obviously attracted to something in the snare. We call it bait. Uh, you ever caught a mouse and you have a mouse trap? Uh, you don't grab the mouse trap and throw it at mice. Uh, you hold it. You've got bait there. Something comes, eats it, trap it. Can't go anymore. A snare doesn't move. It attracts, attracts or captures something that comes towards it. So what that means is this. Sometimes there are things that snare us that we got tempted into. Sometimes there are things that stop us progressing because we were tempted into something. A classic example of this is offence. Offence, being offended. That offence is actually something that can stop us from rising. Jesus explains that what offence does is it basically imprisons us like a snare. So we're unable to move forward because we have taken offence at something and it's actually harmed our soul. Notice this here, the, David actually writes that my soul has been delivered from the snare of the fact. There's something that has captured my soul. An offence is one of those things that can happen. John Bevere wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. It's talking about, talking about offence. Where offence is, we're so tempted to take offence, but when we do... We're trapped. We can't move forward. I've seen so many people that were going on in the things of God that for offense actually stopped them from progressing. Something happened and they took offense. And because of that, they were unable to move forward in the things of God. As a Christian, one of the keys to living a victorious Christian life is to not take offense. You can't stop offenses coming your way. Jesus said offences will come, but that does not mean we have to take them. Offences coming your way is inevitable, but taking offence is actually optional. And there's so many things in our life that can cause us to get offended. I've been offended over things that was no one else's fault. It was just my immaturity that took offence, robbed me of my joy, filled me with disappointment, Fill, with me, fill me with bitterness. No one had actually done anything wrong. It was my perception of an issue and I've taken offence and it's ensnared my soul. I remember one time uh, I was asked to lead worship when I was at Bible college. I was asked to lead worship at a worship night at uh, 
we had a chapel service and we had an international speaker coming, so I was very excited. And, and I got asked by the principal to lead worship that night. So, uh, and so it was a great honour. And so I thought for the occasion, I need to buy myself a new shirt. Uh, so this was back in the 90s. Uh, and so the shirt I bought was a bright electric blue shirt. Just looks beautiful. And, and I bought it to wear with my bright gold tie. It was just amazing. So... Um, and so I went and bought it in the afternoon and that night, uh, later that afternoon we're having rehearsal, then we're going to, you know, do the chapel. And so I went out and I bought a shirt and, um, and, and I bought it. I didn't buy it off the rack. I actually bought it out of the packet, you know, so those packets and they're folded and that sort of thing. And so I needed to iron it before I put, on, put it on. So I went to uh, the college laundry uh, and I start ironing this shirt. Uh, and the problem with the the iron at the Collins Laundry, it wouldn't get hot enough, so I'm pressing it and I'm ironing it and, you know, sprinkling water on it, doing whatever I can and straighten it out and, you know, and I don't know, have you ever done this? Have you ever ironed something uh, and deceived yourself into thinking it was ironed only to realise it still it wasn't? So anyway, I did that, I put the shirt on, obviously I still had the creases, I didn't realise it at the time. I went, led worship that night and to be honest, in all humility, uh, I was amazing. And so it was, um, <clears throat> and so afterwards I'm feeling pretty good about myself, feeling pretty good. Uh, and, uh, and then there was a guy who came up to me afterwards and he was another worship leader. And uh, he was pretty good, uh, not good enough to lead that night, but still pretty good. And so he came up to me and I thought he was going to tell me how awesome I was. And he comes up to me and he says, and he says, hey Ben, uh, is that a new shirt? I said, yeah. How can you tell? And he said, uh, well, we can all tell. He said, it's still got the creases in it. You haven't even ironed it. When he said that, I was offended. I was like, how dare you say that to me? Oh, I hardly slept that night. I was all bent out of shape about it. I woke up the next day and I said, you know what? We're going to have to have a meeting. going to have a coffee. We've got to resolve this issue. Um, you know, someone's got to stop this guy from going around hurting people's feelings and that sort of thing. And, and then after a while, after I cooled down, I thought, oh, I'll just get over it. He actually hadn't done anything wrong. But me, due to my own insecurity and hypersensitivity, unnecessarily took offence. So instead of dragging him into my little world and having a meeting about it, I decided to let it go. Offences will come, but you don't need to take it. I told you before about one time I was preaching at my old church in Brisbane. It was in New Farm in the heart of Brisbane. And I was preaching one night and there was a visitor there who used to be at our church in Mackay. So we used to be pastors in Mackay. And she came and saw me after the service and we had a good chat. And then uh, she sent me an email that week. And, and she was, you know, I was, uh, traveling. I was doing a lot of travel as well. So I was selling some resources and books and that. And she wanted to order some. And, and so uh, she sent me this email lovely lady, and she said, um, you know, Ben, it was so great to see you again, so great to see the boys, my how they've grown, so great to see Trish, she goes, oh, so good hearing you preach again, she said, I really missed your preaching, and then she said, I really miss your sense of humour, and then she said, it's just a shame that the people in your church don't appreciate your sense of humour, she said, because as you were preaching, I was laughing, but I noticed around, no one else was laughing. And she said, oh, maybe it's because you're from the country and maybe your humour's more suited to regional areas. When she said that, I was offended. 
not at her, at my church. I felt like getting up there the next Sunday and saying, oh, so um, you can't handle this gift of humour that God has blessed you with. Well, I'm just going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to shake the dust from my feet, go somewhere else where my ministry is received, probably the country. Well, I will truly honour, respect and appreciate the gift of God. Then I thought about it and I thought, oh, I'll just get over it. Offences will come. You cannot control your life to the point where offence doesn't get through. I've seen people try. That's why they live in isolation. They hurt me, they hurt me, they hurt me. You let them hurt you. Amen. And the thing is this, there's always the potential for offence. That snare's just there, dangling. But you don't have to take it. But if you do, and you're stuck, and you've been hurt, and you've been wounded, and you stopped, sto- stopped soaring, I've got good news for you today. He can deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That thing you got caught up in, that thing that happened that broke your heart, it's not the end of your story. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, he can deliver you. And the way that he delivers us from that snare is forgiveness. When we forgive those that hurt us, that's when we get delivered. Jesus said in John 16, he who sins you forgive, they're forgiven. He who sins you retain, they're retained. You know what that means? We retain the effect of what someone did to us as long as we don't forgive them. Now, the hardest thing about forgiveness, we don't want to forgive because it offends our sense of justice. We think that if we forgive them, we're letting them off the hook. But here's the thing. If you don't let them off the hook, you're still hooked to them and forever tied to the worst moments of your life. And if we've ever, and all of us have done it at some point, taken the bait of offence It's gripped our heart, filled us with the poison of bitterness and disappointment. I'm here to let you know there's someone who can set you free. And the way that we do that is through forgiveness. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That thing that happened to you, that thing that got in the way, your life trajectory was like this and something happened. It does not have to be the end of your story. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, I don't know what would have happened to me. And so today what I want to do is this worship team where you come with restrictions easing and that sort of thing. I want to pray for some people this morning. And I want to pray for people who are saying, Ben, you know what? Something happened. I got hurt here. And I've left there now, but that hurt still travelled with me. That thing that had stopped me from soaring. If that is you, we want to pray for you today. Especially when it comes to offence. You know that sometimes we think that when we pray, uh, sometimes when we do an encounter retreat and that sort of thing, we tell people to confess and declare what it is. 
But actually, you're not limited to that. We don't have to do that every time. Uh, the Bible tells us in Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. And then it says in verse 5, He anoints my head with oil. He's a shepherd, I'm the sheep, he anoints my head with oil. Shepherds would anoint the head of sheep to keep bugs out. Because what happened is that they'd feed and occasionally a bug could get up their snout. And if a bug gets up their snout for a sheep, there's a problem. Because who knows, sheep don't have fingers. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and if it stays up there, it can cause a lot of damage. So anoints my head with oil. He keeps at bay those things that would otherwise disturb me, drive me crazy, fill me with bitterness and poison. So what we're going to do is, in just a moment is this. We're going to open up the altar and pray for people who are saying, Ben, I've been snared. Ben, pray. And what we're going to do is we're not even going to ask you what it is. We're just going to pray that the Lord will anoint your head with oil and flush that thing out of your system. Amen? And so maybe it's you're here and there's, you know there's been some kind of offence. The best way to know there is offence is that right now, uh, the Lord is flashing someone's face in front of your mind. And on the outside, you're like, oh no, we're good, we're good. But deep down, you're like, <clears throat> that's a sign. We need to forgive them and move on. We're not saying what they did's okay. But we're saying in spite of what they did, because Christ has forgiven me and we need to be free. We want to forgive them, amen? And so what we're going to do in a moment is open up the altar for people who are saying, you know, pray for me, figuratively speaking, anoint my head with oil, that these things will come out of my system. So can I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment? If you're on this place and, first of all, maybe you haven't given your life to Christ, you don't have a relationship with God. If that is you right where you are and you want to give your life to Christ today, have a relationship with Him. He can be your shepherd. He can be your leader and your guide. If that is you today, right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to give my life to Him. If that is you, right where you are, slip up your hand today and say, that's me today. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to have a relationship with God. Secondly, maybe you're here and you're saying, Ben, I need this. I've been snared. If that is you, right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me today. Something has snared me. Something has held me back. Please pray for me that my head would be anointed with oil today. If that is you, slip up your hand and say, that's me. There's many of you today. It's a breakthrough morning for you. It's a breakthrough morning. It's a breakthrough morning. You could put your hands down. You can open up your eyes. You know, Jesus taught his disciples a lesson in servanthood. So he sat them all down and he got out a basin of water and a towel. He's going to wash their feet. Now that was the job of a servant. Only servants wash people's feet. So the fact that Jesus would do that was jarring to them. And he's going around washing their feet. They're all uncomfortable. Gets around to Peter. Peter's a bit of a blabbermouth. Peter says what everyone else is thinking. He says, Lord, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, Pete, if you don't let me wash your feet, you've got no part with me. And so Peter said, okay, Lord, we'll wash my whole body as well. And then Jesus said, 
who, he says this, he who's, already, who who's had a bath is already clean. You just need your feet washed. In the same way, through Christ, we're clean. But we still walk through a dirty world. And we still pick up things. And occasionally, he will sit us down and he'll say, let me get at that thing you've picked up. That offence, that hurt. And if we're like, no, Lord, no. He says, you've got no part with me. You've got to let me do that when I tap you on the shoulder. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, he's tapping some people on the shoulder today. He says, put your feet out. Let me get at it. Oh, no, we're good, we're good. He's saying, no. The presence of God is here. The anointing of God is here. The word has been declared. There's an anointing in this place to wash some things off people. Some of you are going to walk out of here, you feel like a big burden's gone. Some of you are going to walk out of here and there's going to be a glide to your stride. Came here down low, you're going to leave lifted, high and lifted up. Why? Because he's taken that burden off you today. So some of you didn't put your hand up, but you knew you had to come forward anyway. That's okay. No one didn't see you put your hand up. So when we invite people up the front, you just come out as well. I will pray for you. Noah and Michelle will pray for you. Uh, Rob and Marianne will pray for you. And we're just going to pray for the anointing of God to come upon you and the Holy Spirit to come upon you right now. So everywhere, so right now, everyone, just stand to your feet. Team's going to lead us in worship. And as they do, I want to invite you. You put your hand up or you didn't, but you know you should. We're all family here. It's all good. We didn't do much praying for people for a while because of COVID, but now we're going to start doing that again, okay? I want you to come forward and we're going to pray and we're going to believe for God to anoint your head with oil right now. Come forward. Come forward. If that was you, come forward. Band's going to lead us in worship. Come on out. We're going to pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.